Hey guys, it's Miller. I hope you are doing well. We had a doozy of a weekend. It was incredible. Lou Engle was here and uh, he helped to launch this first weekend of our 40-day fast. We are in day five on April 18th and the significance of April 18th, Luke 418, uh, there's a prophetic thread um, literally for hundreds of years on this date. Uh, things have happened. And uh, Lou shares a little of that history, um, both him personally and then other things within uh, the prayer movement. And then even on a global scale, there's some things that happened on 418 that um, are worth researching. But Luke 418, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon us. And uh, just what that means, uh, Lou really gives us framework for this season. So buckle up, join us in this fast. Um, However that looks for you, uh, you can check out our website for more details. But thanks for tuning in. Love you. And tonight is a really uh, significant night for us as a spiritual family. Uh, this morning um, was the beginning, and I, I believe tonight is... Uh, just going to continue to increase um, what the Lord's speaking to us as a family. Last Wednesday, um, I called the Upper Room community to a 40-day fast. I've never done that. Uh, we've, we've had seasons of fasting where we've done a couple of days. I think the longest we've gone is 21 days. Uh, but I, last time Lou was here on February 21st, uh, it, was, it was just a, a real branding from the Lord. The Lord spoke three specific things, women, Israel and the nations. And uh, there's a lot to uh, that weekend, but uh, I was on the floor and I heard the Lord say, son, I'm, I'm going to call you to a fast. And I thought it was just for me, which for me to enter into a fast, I really need to hear from God. Amen. I really like food and uh, I've started more fast than I finished. And so I just know there's a grace when you enter into a time of fasting and and I felt that grace. I've never had a desire to do anything for that long. And uh, and Lou was calling a fast on uh, April, I believe, 14th is when we began, which was last Wednesday. And uh, and so we're five days into it. And I I told Lou, I said, Lou, if we're going to go for this, I want you to come down to Dallas on April 18th, which is tonight, and I want you to stay with us for seven nights. And I want to have seven nights of encounter. I want to have seven nights of us praying and really rumbling in the spirit together, really hearing from the Lord, processing what he's saying, because I feel this is an invitation to come unto him and listen. And sure enough, night one, dreams started pouring in. Uh, staff members, core team started sharing dreams that they were having that are very significant. They're invitations for us as a family. And I know in the past, many times when dreams come to our community, we internally process them, but we never roll them out to the community at large. Uh, and and I, I think there's been seasons that, that we haven't known what to do with some of the dreams and how to invite you into them. But in this season, we want to invite the entire community into a journey. And as we hear from the Lord, we're going to share with you what we're hearing. The next seven nights, we're going to come, we're going to worship. We're going to hear uh, what the Lord is saying to us, you know, maybe through scripture, uh, through prophetic words, but also through dreams. 
Uh, we've already had at least two that are very significant about what the Lord's inviting us into. We're going to share that with you um, tonight, but I don't want anyone to be left behind. I want this to provoke you into hunger and into consecration and to say, Lord, I want to be a part of what you're doing on the earth tonight. And that's what this season is for. It's like, man, I'm going to rend my heart. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to give myself to prayer. I'm going to give myself to fasting. I'm going to consecrate my heart and get into what you're speaking to my spiritual family. Because when you get into what God's saying, you get over yourself and you start to say, Lord, I'm going to give myself over to the purposes. Like things begin to line up. Like opportunities come, relationships come, <laughs> marriages happen. Like we've seen it happen in this room. We've just seen time and time again, someone comes stumbling through these doors and they hear an invitation like they'll hear tonight and just life starts to line up. I look at Kevin Tips. <laughs> Life's just lined up over the last 10 years or however long you've been here. And I feel in my heart there's invitations. The Lord's going to knock and say, throw yourself into what I'm doing in this spiritual community. It's a threshold. And so um, I, I don't know necessarily. We, we do have a, a small plan. Um, but I, I wanted to introduce Lou this way. I know uh, Lou's been here. Um, he was here in February. He's been here, I think, once or twice before, but most of us know Lou. Um, reward, you read a scripture tonight out of Jeremiah 2, which has been, um, Jeremiah 2 and 3 have just been bred for me of late. And uh, it's the beginning of Jeremiah's prophecy to uh, Israel. And it's a pretty gnarly prophecy. Like he's, he's, he's doing business with God's people who are backslidden. They're far from God. And he started out with the scripture that we read, remembering when they were faithful, remembering when they were in, a, you know, in love with the Lord, when they were walking faithfully with him. But verse three, things turn south pretty quickly. And he, he diagnoses them, but he starts, he starts with specific people. He doesn't just randomly like blanket the nation of Israel. He starts with two specific people holding positions in their society. And the first one that he starts with um, is the fathers. And it's in verse four. He says, hear the word of the Lord, O Israel of Jacob and all the families of the house of Israel. Thus says the Lord, what injustice did your fathers? Everyone say fathers. Can you throw this one up here? I want you to read it with me. Hear the word of the Lord. He starts with the fathers in verse five. There it is. What injustice did your fathers find in me that they went far from me and they walked after emptiness and became empty? He's pointing to the fathers. He's pointing to the leaders of families. He's saying, what did I do to you that you stopped seeking me? And there's a lot of finger pointing happening right now in culture, in the church, politics, whatever you look. Like something's off. And I think the Lord's looking at these two people that he addresses. 
The first being fathers, leaders of households, walked after emptiness became empty. And then look at verse six. This is so significant. He says, they did not say, where is the Lord? They lost this question in their heart. They stopped looking for him. Upper room, you with me? They stopped looking for him. And I, I see this is, this is, uh, to me, this is the manifestation of God's leadership in their day. Because we're going to see that they were doing religious activity. They were talking about him. God was just a subject. But God as a subject isn't enough. God the subject, when he's pursued rightly, becomes God the substance. And we as a nation have had God as a subject, but we are missing God as a substance. Where is the Lord? I look at the church many times and like I look at our agendas, I look at our sermons, I look at the leadership and I see men being enthroned over his people, not God. I feel like we are so educated in the subjects of God, but we have no idea what the substance of God is. It is the substance. It is, it is God's active leadership in our day. That's what we're asking for. That's what revival is. Revival is God's active leadership. It's not just him acting through leaders. There's a difference between us being led by gifts and us being led by God. <laughs> and we've just settled for the gifts of man instead of the substance of God. But this question has to burn in all of our hearts, but specifically fathers. Where are you, Lord? When we talk about you, are we just talking about you? I can think of all the thousands of millions of people that talked about him today, but were they aware of him? Was the substance of heaven present? <laughs> That's what was taking place here. Where is the Lord? The next group, you can read through this, but um, the next group that he addresses is in verse eight. Look at this. The priests. Who are the priests? The priests are the spiritual leaders of Israel. So you have leaders of the family, but then you have leaders of the church. It's the pastors of the day. He's looking at both of these positions, both of these heads, and they weren't asking the same question, where's the Lord? Although they were handling the law, they did not know him. But it's not just like... <laughs> They knew the things of him, but they didn't know him. They knew the subject, but they didn't know the substance. They didn't know the person. And I'm sharing this tonight because I feel we are so honored to have a father and a priest. And it's one who for now decades in our nation has been putting these two questions before a generation. He's contended for houses like this one that will be homes for the substance. 
He's modeled it. I looked at him and I said, we are, we are the fruit of your voice. And God's doing, we're in a swirl and we're trying to discern and, <laughs> you know, just figure out the pieces to this puzzle that God's doing. But I believe America's greatest days are just ahead. I believe there's an outpouring. It's just ahead. I believe there's a Jesus people that's emerging that are going to be carrying the substance. They're going to be carrying the substance. They're going to have a wild eye, like wild look in their eye. They're going to be carrying the substance on their heart. It's tangible. You can touch it. We just have to have that. And this man, I believe, is, is catalytic for that. I believe he's a I know that he's a father to our house. And, uh, and so I, I just, I want us to welcome him, but I want us to welcome as a father and I want us to welcome him as a priest. And I want us to welcome, not just like in, in title, but in position, spiritual position to lead and speak to our house in this season. Because I, I believe upper room. And I know there's a lot of people here tonight that we're a watering hole. There's a lot of people that attend other churches. It's cool. You can glean from this, but I am specifically speaking to the core of the upper room, the inner like workings of our family. Those that call this place home, those that are laboring in the prayer room, those that carry the DNA of the house through Lou's voice. He's going to speak something into the heart of this body. And here's what I ask when Lou comes up, when Lou comes up on Sunday nights, we go long. We've been going an hour and 32 minutes. And for a lot of people in Dallas, that's a long church service, but we might go another hour and 32 minutes. And, and, and I know we, we celebrate that. And I'm not, I'm not saying that other than it's just a disclaimer because around seven 15, people start to figure out they've got to leave <laughs> seven 30. You've got to leave. And I just, I just want to ask you to do this tonight. If you need to go early, that you would leave as Lou comes up. It just, I'm just going to ask you that because a lot of times in the middle, it just becomes a distraction and I don't want a distraction. I feel this to be a sacred, sacred gathering tonight. And so we're not going to, I get it. I got little kids. I got little kids. I've left service early many a times. And if you have to leave in the middle, something comes up, I get it. But some of you are just dipping your toe in the waters tonight. And as it gets longer, you're going to be like, okay, I'm, I'm bouncing and it's cool. But if that's you, I want you to bounce in this time. Cause I, I just, I really feel like the next hour, two hours, however long we go, there's a crossing over for us as a community. It's significant what we're going to participate in tonight. And I, I, I don't take this lightly. And so uh, I love you. Please know I love you. If that's you, we bless you. We're so excited about what God's doing in other places. But tonight is a special night for the upper room family in light of what we're kicking off. So with that, I think I've said everything the Lord told me to say. Would you guys please stand and welcome Lou Engel? Thank you so much. I believe tonight, even as the last time I was here, 
at 10 o'clock in the morning when worldwide Jews, not Messianics, Jews, are crying out at 10 o'clock in the morning all over the world for the coming of the Messiah. That we started at the very same time not having planned it at 10 o'clock in the morning. An upper room began to pray that the, mess, that the Messiah would be revealed to the Jewish peoples. Something happened that morning. It changed my life. I feel we're in another moment like this. I feel that this could be, and I, you know, you try to discern the timings. I actually feel this may be a, a watershed moment for the whole church of uh, Upper Room. I want to introduce my son. This is Jonathan Engel. Stand. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And I am Jonathan. Turning, would you, to chapter 3 of Luke. just wish Corey Russell could preach. <laughs> In verse 21, Jesus is 30 years old. For all we know, he's done, never done a miracle. He's had a great ministry. When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus was baptized. And while he prayed, heaven was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved son. In you I am well pleased. I think we just entered into our baptism. Come on. As a community. What's going on? I think... We have just entered into a baptism. I've rarely known, well, I've known a lot of whirlwinds. This is one of the special whirlwinds of prophetic activity. And when these kids are getting baptized, all I could hear was your cry. You are my beloved son. You, this, I, I don't know if I've remembered anything like this since the Jesus movement. With such joy and speed. This is New Testament. It's, it was amazing. And all I could hear is God speaking over upper room. This is my beloved son. I want you to lay your hand on your head, you weirdos. <laughs> I can't tell you how often I have done this. David encouraged himself in the Lord. If no one else does, you got to encourage yourself. And you got to have God talk to you through your mouth. And I do it often. And I have God said, oh, Lou, there's no one like you. You are my beloved son in whom I will praise. Come on. Let's say it. Use your name. Come on. Lift your voice. Who cares? Lou, you are my beloved son in whom I'm well placed. Lou, you are my beloved son. Say it. Use your name. Do it. <laughs> you weirdos. You're all weird anyway. Lou, you are my, listen, he hasn't done a miracle. 
He hasn't entered his ministry. He gets baptized and he hears the Lord say, you are my beloved son. I feel we're in a moment that God says upper room has been my beloved son, but it is about ready to enter into his apostolic anointing. This is a moment of shifting and change. It's all across the body of Christ. I want you to stand up and I want you to believe that tonight I am believing that you are being baptized into his beloved son. You've already known it. You've known his love, but there's something more than just knowing his love. It is actually moving into his fast and hearing his power be unleashed on 418. Luke 418. He comes out of the fast and he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news, the affliction to bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to captives. I believe there is an apostolic evangelistic explosion coming. And it was just modeled in front of us. None of us just planned. I want you to receive this. The Lord loves upper rooms so much. And you're in the upper room. I remember years ago, saying, Lord, if I could just hear you say that I'm your beloved son and whom I'm well pleased. And I said, I can't hear it because all my failures. And the Lord spoke to me through the scriptures and he says, he says, am I God's beloved son? Yes. Are you in me? Yes. Then you in me, I say to you what I said to my son. You are my beloved son. We need to make war for identity. We refuse the lies that say we are not his beloved. We are in Christ. Gotta get up in Christ. Get inside of him. And when the devil lies to you, he says all he sees is Jesus. Come on. It's the only way we can live because the accuser of the brethren I feel this is our baptism. And God is saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Can I also say that I believe Mike, Michael Miller and Larissa, this is your moment as well. That you're moving from 10 years or whatever it is of being the beloved son and you will always be there and will never graduate from that. But there is a graduation moment when God puts his spirit on them and leads him into his apostolic ministry. I feel we're in that moment. You made it sit down. I'm going to show you a video. We're going to go for an hour, 32 minutes. Uh, my, my son at age 12, Jesse, he, he preached for the first time and I introduced him and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. The dream of God is to put his son on the stage of history. That's the dream. A father lives that his sons would surpass him. A father lives that his son would step into his destiny and calling in God. This is the father's heart. And I said, Jesse, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And a dream came true. On, on April 9th, 2000, April 9th, 2016, I'd been fasting and praying in Berkeley for 40 days with a group of students. 
The Lord spoke to me because I had, had not been reconciled with an African-American man, the leader of the Azusa Street mission in, in Los Angeles. The Azusa Street revivals are black men. Opened the heavens and they said the color line was washed in the way in the blood by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Right now, we need a baptism of the Holy Spirit that can only heal this race thing. I call him on the phone. I ask forgiveness. A black man and a white man get reconciled on the phone. And he said, the call Azusa Street is still waiting for you. I didn't even know one was coming, but I thought, well, this is amazing. So I begin to pray and I begin to think of William Seymour's prophecy that in a hundred years, a revival far surpassing Azusa Street will take place. William Seymour in 2022, it will be a hundred years since he dies. Yes. And I get all taken up with this thought of the 110th anniversary of the Azusa Street. Shall I call, do the call in Azusa Street? If you don't know the call, it's massive gatherings of fasting and prayer for revival and the like. And um, I'm thinking, Lord, 110th anniversary of Azusa Street, that's April 9th, 2016. I wonder if you want me to do something called the call Azusa. So I call my prophet friend who's been a friend to me for 35 years and has dreamed for me almost every step of the way. And I ask him, have you had any dreams or any kind of revelation about the 110th anniversary of Azusa Street, April 9th, 2016? He says, Lou, do you remember when we were on a 40-day fast in 2013? No. He said, I had a dream. And in the dream, he said, I received five plane tickets and they were all, and in the dream, it said, you can only fly United. I tell you the only way to get the healing of the race is just to fly United and open up heaven for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. They were all together in the upper room in one place, in one accord. That's the anointing on this house. African-Americans are going to start coming into this place. They will come because they, they know that this is not a political movement. This is something born of heaven. He said, Lou, and I was so concerned I'd missed the tickets, the expiration date. So in the dream, I was so anxious. So I looked up the expiration date and the jacket of the ticket, and it said 1,080 days. So he got up and he said, Lou, he said, Lou. So I looked up and you know, you Google your dreams. <laughs> and he said, and immediately I woke up and I looked up 1,080 days, Lou, it's April 9th, 2016. At that moment, I knew I was going to hold something with the Zeus street. Something is coming brothers and sisters. I've got so much to tell about that story. I feel there we're in a moment of time. I was so struck by the word that you gave from, um, from Jeremiah 2. He says, I remember the devotion of your youth when you went after me in the wilderness. 
What a generation failed in for 40 years, Jesus fulfilled in 40 days. He was actually quoting the Deuteronomy stories. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth. He saw, his, he saw himself as the Israel of God. He was the fullness. He was the one that would fulfill. What a, and I believe a whole generation worldwide are moving into Jesus fast. Ah, come on. It's not an anomaly. Jesus is breathing his fast into his church to release a new apostolic era. I believe that the spirit that drove Jesus into the wilderness is the same spirit that's stirring Michael Miller to call a corporate fast because it is all over the world. And it starts with, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. I want to, can I show you a three minute video? I think you have it. This means so much to me because what you said to me today is what my son said to me at Azusa now. You are my beloved father. I want you to watch this.
knee before the Father from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. Identity comes from the Father. It is released. And today I believe there is an identity being released on your calling and who you are as a people. First of all, that said he remembers the devotion of your youth. He remembers 10 years of your music filling the whole world. Not because it was good music, it was because it was good hearts. Oh, I believe songs are coming that we've never even imagined where angels actually can be heard singing, probably already happened, that angels will hear the sounds in heaven. You followed me in the wilderness. I remember your devotion when you followed me in the wilderness. You were holy to the Lord. Can I invite you into this 40 days that it is in fasting you return to your spiritual core. You return to the heart passions of your youth. He said, return to me with all your heart, with fasting. This is how you get your heart realigned into divine love with God. You start, see, see, someone said to me, Someone today, he says, the Lord spoke to him, God is not moved by fasting, he's moved by humility. But the Bible says he humbled himself with fasting. When you start humbling yourself with fasting, all these other things that have demanded your affections begin to dry up. Your spirit man inside has been fed with entertainment, fed with Twitter, fed with food, fed with everything. It's no wonder when the Bible said you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. We have so little of that because we filled it with so many things. When David says, all my fountains are in you, I am being haunted by God, are all my fountains. Can I find the pleasures at his right hand that are the that greater than the pleasures of so many things? Folks, this is the pathway to joy, to extreme happiness, the pleasures of knowing God. He remembers that devotion. And over these months, I've been saying, Lord, bring me back to that Nazarite fire. I had a dream at the beginning of this fast. A bowl was set before me with grapes. The Nazarites were the separated ones who would say no to the legitimate pleasures of this life for the extreme pleasures of knowing God. The Nazarites were the guys, men and women, who desired God more than the priests. In fact, the vow of the Nazarite did not grow your hair, not drink wine, not eat grapes, all of this stuff. The vow of the Nazarite was for men and women. If a man, I gotta hit you this one. This is, you see, the priests actually guarded the worship of Yahweh. Because they were in a family line, it was their duty. But the Nazarites, actually, who desired to be as close to Yahweh as the priests, could make a spontaneous vow because of the work of the Spirit, where they were desiring God and they wanted to be as close as the priests. It's the foreshadowing of the priesthood of believers. I had a dream the day after the, after the gathering where Brian and them all 
There were, uh, and I said to this young man, maybe I shared this before. I said, I, I had this dream and in this dream, numbers six, two rolls before me in a scroll. I had said that night, there's more revelation being given to the call of the Nazarites. I didn't have to wait long for God to answer me. In the middle of the night, I dream and a scroll rolls down before me and I'm reading Numbers 6-2. If a man or a woman desires to make the special vow of a Nazarite, and in the dream, the word desire leaps off the page into my soul and instantly in the dream, I know that God is saying, I, I know this. It is not the desire of the individual to be separated to God. It's the desire of God who's looking for them. And that his desire was creating that desire in the Nazareth. He's yearning for separated lovers. And in the dream, I begin interceding for my own sons. God! Hotly pursue Jesse. Hotly pursue Josiah. Hotly pursue Jonathan. Come on, let's pray that prayer. I believe God gave it to me for the youth of America. Hotly pursue me. I pray that God hotly pursue me. Don't let me be satisfied with a, with a mediocre flame. Oh, I pray. Just, just lift your hands right now. Lord, would you just say, Lord, hotly pursue me. Draw me out. Lord, of broken cisterns that can hold no water. All of these things are broken cisterns. They don't satisfy. We have leakage because we're fueling our lives with every kind of television program. There is a pleasure and he's pursuing us because he wants pleasure with us. Lord, I pray, put a desire in our hearts to be separated, not out of legalism, but love. In Jesus' name. Well, I wasn't going to go there. But I, 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 I want to bring a couple things that I believe this passage in Luke, uh, uh, Luke 4 says, immediately, listen to me, immediately after receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit, after the beloved son's statement, he doesn't go in to the ministry. Whoa! The Spirit moves him into the wilderness to overcome Satan so that his ministry... Come on. See, this, see we're, everyone wants the stage these days. And they've got it with this, but they've never qualified. They've never qualified for the Luke 4.18. I'm not saying you can't do these things, but you can do these things and not even know God. The Spirit leads him into the wilderness. The book of Mark says it drives him into the wilderness. There was a, like this movement inside of him. I've said this. Anytime you get a desire to fast, you can bet the devil is not tempting you. It's the Spirit of God moving you because something's about ready to break out. Something's going to shift. And it's not just for individuals. It's communities and churches. And I feel... This is God's chosen fast to lead us, not just into the beloved son. That's the highest and will always be the highest. He wants to lead us into a new apostolic era where upper room becomes Antioch, where you don't just minister to the Lord, you fast. 
They fasted and ministered to the Lord. And the Holy Ghost sent Paul and Barnabas into their mission. This is your hour of sending. This is the hour of apostolic sending. Jesus overcomes Satan. Can I tell you? I know the power of besetting sins. I also know years ago I received ministry and I had a vision and I saw Jesus fighting for me, fighting for my soul, wrestling with the devil in the desert. I wept and wept under the, I want to tell you, Jesus in his fast was fighting for you. And we in this fast are fighting for our sons and our daughters and our own souls. It's in 40 days. Something about that 40 days. And I'm not telling you that you have to do a water fast. I hope some of you do. It'll change your life forever. Of course, any fast. One man said, I was at a mobilizing for the call San Francisco. One man said, I work. I can't do fast. But he said, the one thing that God spoke to me is I can fast coffee. Don't tell me that's not incredibly hard. I'm still on coffee on this fast. I call it black water. With a little cream. Listen, God loves our weakness, even in fasting. He understands. He just loves the fact that we're just wanting him. And we might even fast just one meal a day or maybe just, you know, who knows what you'll do. This guy, his, his daughter was in San Francisco in a destructive lifestyle. And he said, God, I'm going to fast for 40 days. On co- take no coffee. On the 40th day, she calls him and says, Dad, I'm coming home. I've got to get my right, uh, life right. I would encourage you if you feel weak in fasting. I hate fasting. I have a love-hate relationship with fasting. I love it because I love donuts. Have I shared this with you, Michael, here? Who knows? One time I was fasting. See, God gives me these stories to encourage us that there are no superheroes in this realm of it. We're just ordinary people, but we want God. And as a whole people, we begin to move toward him in fasting. In fact, Spurgeon said this, our days of corporate fasting were high days indeed. Never were we closer to the central glory. Oh, could we believe for visitations in these days? Heaven opens up to us. Because we want God more than food. One time I was fasting, and I think I called the fast. And three days into the fast, I was in, at home in the kitchen. You don't go into the kitchen. I snuck yogurt and chips. I looked at my wife was watching me. I snuck yogurt and chips. She's not around. I eat yogurt and chips and I don't feel bad about it. But maybe God did. Because the next day I was in our 24-hour house of prayer, this prophetic lady, intercessor, scary lady. She walks in and she says, I had a dream of you last night. And the dream you're sitting right where you're sitting right now. Whoa, 
God knows my address. But she said in the dream, I was very disappointed with you. Because you were supposed to be fasting. But you were eating yogurt and chips. I'm washing you. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder if he's really sincere with me. Man, you better do that. I think the opposite is probably true. He was letting this happen just so he could say, I'm watching you and tell the story to thousands who are fasting and are having the same problems and God still loves us. Tell me God is not an awesome God. <laughs> okay, I'll go on from the, because I, I just don't want people, they get into accusations. I failed, and, and so you just beat yourself. Listen, I, that, that is an end game. That's, that's destructive. God loves you. Two is better than one. I've always fasted with another person almost every time that if one falls, another will lift them up. And if you can't find grace again to fast, then get happy and eat while the rest of us are miserable. I have broken more fast than you all. The donuts show up every time you start to fast. All year, no donuts, the day. Donuts! I'll start my fast at noontime. I like being in the upper room. We call it the supper room. Actually, I believe those guys in the upper room were fasting. The reason I believe that is they were reading the book of Joel, where they're fasting and praying. I believe they were fasting and prayer like Joel, and they're getting revelation afterwards. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. I think we're in a similar time. It was, a, it was, it was some time ago. <laughs> Fasting brain, fasting mouth. Some of us are so legalistic we can't eat breath, breath mints. <laughs> Fast someone else, buddy. Don't bother me with fire breath. <laughs> Listen, I know these stories. I don't know if I, I'm going to share this storyline that's bringing us, I, I believe, to this apostolic time that we on 418 are actually going to begin to fulfill, see a fulfillment. Not just here. I think it's around the world. This day is a shifting day. This very day, I believe it. And I'm going to tell you why I believe it is a shifting day. And if it is, you don't want to have a casual approach to the prophetic. Ah, I said to the Lord, I... I don't care who gets, who leads the revival. I just want to be the dude that birthed it. I want to be right there interceding, known at the throne. 
other people are known by men, but I, and I am a little bit that way. But I want to be known at the throne. Oh man, greatly beloved. So 2000, I mean 1999, you may have heard these stories. I don't know. I never remember what I've said. I'm going to give you a quick run. 1999, I pray, how can I turn America back to God? And that woman comes and she says, I'm going to pay your salary. She pays my salary, pays my salary for 15 years. And she give, we give birth to the call. 1999, at the same time, I'm reading a book called Atomic Power Through Prayer and Fasting. It is a book written in 1946, just after the atomic bomb was dropped. And he made an analogy that what the atomic bomb was to normal bombs, extended fasting is to normal prayer. Fasting is the atomic power. Bill Bright of Campus Crusade in the 90s called two million believers to 40-day fast for the end-time harvest of America. Listen, when you hear guys call those kinds of fasts who are statesmen in the spirit, you don't sit around and be a cynic. God has nothing to say to a cynic. We move with his voice. And I'm reading this book in the 1946 Franklin Hall. Thousands begin to go on long extended fast, fast without water. I mean, without food. <laughs> Thousands go on extended fasting and they begin to see signs and wonders and healings. The healing revivals of the 40s, we have never yet touched that realm where Paul Cain was one of those guys. Paul Cain, who stepped into the healing revivals that, that we haven't seen anything like. We haven't seen the demonstration of Jesus' power. Can I tell you what happened in Atomic Power Through Prayer and Fasting was another replay of Jesus' fast to lead us into Luke 4.18 where he could say, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Miracles, evangelists, the Billy Grahams, the Oral Roberts, they all sprung up fasting and praying. I'm reading this book at this time, and this, this YWAM leader walks in to my room or wherever it was, and he said, Lou, would you help me call the whole globe to 40 days of fasting for the harvest of the new millennium? And I'm thinking, nobody knows me, there's no call at the time. I can't call a 40 day fast for the whole world. But I said to the Lord, if you want me to do that, have someone call me tonight with a dream that I'm flying a plane and dropping an atomic bomb. There was a, a meaning to my madness. I was reading atomic power through prayer and fasting. So, this prophet calls me that night and says, Lou, I had a dream of you last night that you're flying a plane and dropping an atomic bomb. See, what I'm, what's happening in this little brief moment of time, God is identifying my calling. And I'm 21 years from that point, and I'm in the day of the fulfillment of my calling. And I believe I've come to upper room because this thing's gonna explode through the whole movement fasting and ministering the Lord and an apostolic anointing. Today, I just feel like jumping into the water. 
that be amazing? You ain't baptizing me, I'm doing it myself. <laughs> this is my beloved son and whom I'm well pleased. But I said, Lord, that will never mobilize the world. This guy, Paul Cain, I'm going to tell the story of Paul Cain in a moment. Paul Cain comes moving in incredible words of knowledge and he's coming to our church. So I say, Lord, if you want me to call the whole world to 40 days of fasting, the Jesus fast, have him call me out by my middle name and my, uh, and my phone number and use Ecclesiastes 11.1 1 as the confirmation. which says, cast your bread upon the water. And after many days, you will find, it will come back to you. In other words, don't eat, cast your bread upon the water and throw your revelation out there about this 40 day fast. And you may not see the fruit of it right away, but after many days, it will all come back to you. This is a principle in the spirit. Sow your seed now, not look for the right time. Just keep sowing and don't get disillusioned and disappointed when you haven't seen the fruit of it for 20 years. After many days, it comes back to you. Paul King comes to the meeting. He calls my wife out by her first name that no one knows. My, my wife's name is Therese. And uh, he calls her out by her first name, Joanne with her birthday and me by my middle name, Dean and my birthday. And he says, and I see that you are skinny for you are fasting. And the Lord says, Ecclesiastes 11, one, cast your bread upon the, I am here today to cast my bread on the waters of the upper room to fill the globe with fasting, to return to him with intimacy and fire, with breakthroughs in the spirit against demonic powers. God is calling this church, not just into intimacy, but great battles with principalities and powers. Warfare of fasting, breaking through the demonic. A war anointing is going to come on the upper room. I, I wish I could go and tell the whole story, but I can't. I just don't have the time to do that. 2018, I'm fast. We're calling a 40 day California fast to April 9th, which we always do. March 1st or April 9th, the anniversary of the Zussi Street Revival. My friend, we're in California, has a dream. And in the dream, I'm tightening my belt 10 more notches. And in the dream, I said, does anyone else want to join me to extend our fast for 10 days to 418? Wow. Well, <laughs> I don't know how to explain it, but 418, I think he was saying, I want, I, I want the Luke 418 anointing to begin to come back to the earth. I am with Paul Cain in 2018 in California, in Santa Maria, where we're doing this fast. And he tells his story about his mom. At age 45, his mom was pregnant with him. She had four incurable diseases. Her breasts were completely eaten up. The doctor said, you're going to die and you will not give birth to this son. But an angel appears to her 
and says, you will have a boy and his name will be Paul. And he will do the miracles of Paul, St. Paul. And he said, and, 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 um, and he's, and she's instantly healed. And Paul Cain in the healing revivals is stepping into words of knowledge and miracles. Can I believe that out of this place, even out of this fast, there are going to be people moving into dimensions where the spirit of the Lord is upon me. At that time, my friend had a dream and in the dream, it was fourth and 18. And in the dream, Paul Cain was hiking me the ball. And I was handing it out to the younger, handing the ball to the next guy, to the youngest generation. And he ran and scored and received 14 points, not seven. I know the Lord was saying, I'm losing a double portion of the Luke 4, 18 anointing that's coming on a generation who are beloved sons of God, who also fast and pray because they want the highest dimensions of God's grace and power in their lives. Paul Cain told us this story of 418. We understood what was going on. Extend your belt. It's time to pray for Luke 418. At that time, there was a man named Chris Reed. Two months before our meeting with Paul in 2008, he started calling Paul Cain every week for a whole year. And Paul Cain basically invested in him to be his spiritual son. Chris Reed I actually met with him in 2019 and he was reading atomic power through prayer and fasting. Chris Reed was reading atomic power and we talked together about two of us do 40 day fast to enter into the Luke 418 anointing. It's bizarre this stuff. I got a video of it. Me praying for him praying for the I praying for him for the grace of fast. I don't know if he did the fast but I did. On 4-9, at the end of Mike Bickle's fast, the end of 4-9, this man who's moving incredible words of knowledge comes to IHOP last week. Anything that else you want to say, what, what I'm saying here, comes last week, seven, huh? 17 months ago, Chris Reed had a dream. And it said, when the prince has passed, 418 will come at last. It's Anna Cain's word. The father who mentored him into that dimension. And he preached a message in his church 17 months ago that when Prince Philip dies, the Luke 418 anointing is coming into the earth. On 4-9, when he shows up at the 40th day of the fast, Prince Philip dies. Huh? Who? Whose was? Philip's. Philip's funeral service is today. And we, we didn't set this up. It's 4-18 in the upper room. You may say this is prophetic weirdness, but I'm telling you, God actually stirs us into faith with these kinds of whirlwinds to create faith that this is the 418 day for upper room. This is the beginning of a new apostolic season in their life. 
And Jesus is saying to you, you are my beloved son, Michael. And Larissa, you are my beloved daughter in whom I'm well pleased. And I believe he is saying the spirit of the Lord is on the upper room. I believe the fast is going to open something in terms of your apostolic vision. When Larissa got that dream a few weeks ago, and in the dream she saw the Southern Hemisphere and South America and all these places. Uh, and then she heard that word, or however it happened, there will no longer be up, up, there will no longer be a people without my presence. Do you know what that means? There are thousands of upper rooms that are coming. With that spirit of ministering to the Lord and fasting and apostolic power with signs and wonders. Some of you are burning inside because you feel that evangelistic explosion is going off in your own heart. And you're going to start praying for the sick and you may not get to see him get healed right away. But we're going to go after this thing. We're going to go after this thing. I believe God gave her this a few weeks ago to give you the vision of your fast. To birth in 40 days. 40 days is like 40 weeks of pregnancy. It's the womb that causes the baby to be birthed. What if we united corporately brothers and sisters in this fast and now said, God, release this apostolic realm. I think it's a stunning day and I'm gonna, in a moment going to do something. Before I do, I just want to mention what happened last time I was here, how God had called me to pray for, to raise up a global prayer meeting for the salvation of the Jews and the Ruth vow. I'm praying in this 40 days, literally I'm believing that Ruth's vow will be released all over the earth. Where churches in Scandinavia will start having an awakening to the Jewish peoples and they will see your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. I believe God is putting something even on us, the upper room, to moving toward the final end times that God is now talking to us about his heart for the Jewish people and Jerusalem. He's going to come back there and rule and reign. And we, like Daniel, in his fasting, we know that we'll literally give ourselves to fasting for this great shift. Huh. And so 2009, and I'll end here, I think. 2009, I, I'm at Kansas City at IHOP, and we go to Shiloh out there, in the, out there in the woods, and we fast 40 days on water. I think I broke it on the 37th day. <laughs> so then I decided to do penance and do an Esther fast, no food, no water to end it. <laughs> the guy sent me a dream. He said, Lou, I had this dream last night that you were doing penance, but, but in the dream, I knew you had fulfilled the reason for your fast. I love God. He helps me. Right before I go out in this fast, I have a dream that my belly is being operated on. And I wake up and I said, are you God trying to operate on my appetites so that I could have an anointing like Daniel? to fast and pray, to shift history and move principalities and powers. I, I prayed that middle of the fast, I'm sleeping, I'm fasting out in the woods somewhere at a place called Shiloh. 
And a prophetic intercessor lady, Julie Meyer, sends me a dream. And in the dream, she said, I saw you were fasting and you were sleeping. And five angels came into your bedroom and operated on your belly. And they took the book of Daniel, lit it on fire, and sealed it into my belly. <laughs> and in the dream, all these young people started coming to me with t-shirts said the sons of thunder. I believe that moment was actually prophesying of this moment because I didn't understand that Daniel was all about Israel. But when Daniel's fasting, Michael's warring in the heavens over Israel. I'm going back to Shiloh for 30 days. And I feel we're in the moment that maybe upper room in this fast could move into a Daniel anointing to shift the heavens and loose God's salvation to the Jewish peoples. We are in a prophetic moment. I believe that we're in a time, and there may be more that Michael and Larissa want to do. I, I could have your worship leader or your keyboard or whoever, all your people come up here. You called me a father today. And you said, you're not just a father like we say, you're a father in this house. I can't tell you how much that honors me. But as a father, I want to do what a father's called to do. Guys, we, we can't freak out about this stuff. We're so afraid to be identified with a calling. The Bible says, first apostles, then prophets. I want to step into my role as a prophet and prophesy the anointing of the apostolic movement over upper room. I want to release a prophetic anointing. And it's if you have faith, if you reach up and grab it, you have to respond with faith to the prophetic word. Blessed is upper room who dared to believe what was spoken over her would come to pass. Just play my keyboard friend there. Uh, he's working on it. Brothers and sisters, I'm, I'm simply saying, I have to step out in faith as well. And I have to, I've shied away. I say I'm neither a prophet nor the son of a prophet. But something's happened in the last two months. I've been in a whirlwind. And I know I got sovereignly joined to upper room. Because I think it's at the time of Antioch. Prophets and apostles out of any of them. And tonight, I want to loose Luke 4.18 on Michael and Larissa. Don't... Let me just say to you, Michael and Larissa, don't pull back because you're humble people. You don't, you don't want to be identified like this. And there is that whole dimension where people put their big A's on their coats. I'm an apostle. This church is the vindication of their apostolic anointing. We get to simply recognize what God has done. How does that go, Brian? I forget how it goes. 
I recognize an apostolic anointing. This is unique and profound. And today, I want to anoint Michael and I want to anoint Larissa into their apostolic calling. And when I do that, I want you to receive the same anointing of the Holy Spirit. And Michael and Larissa, simply say yes in faith. I hope this doesn't offend you because that's the last thing I want to do. But at the same time, I realize we're in an extraordinary moment of time. On 418, Paul King's anointing's coming back to the church because atomic power through prayer and fasting is preceding it all over the world. Just lift your hands.